0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
1: How do I ask my boss for a raise? I'm so jealous of my coworker's promotion, I just don't know what to do. Is there a good way to brag about my accomplishments? Careers are complicated, and there are so many hush hush topics we're told we can't talk about. That's why you have the Career Contessa podcast. I'm your host, Laura McGoodwin, and each week I'm joined by experts to help you overcome your workplace woes with actionable advice that you can use today. Subscribe to the Career Contessa podcast and make progress in your career every Tuesday.
0: I'm Caroline Stanbury, star of The Real Housewives of Dubai. I'm remarried and living my best life ever. See, there's so much life after divorce. I'm starting my new chapter unapologetically. I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said between each other, society, the sheets, and everything in the middle. And lucky me, you'll be joining me on the journey. Listen to all new episodes every Wednesday. So buckle up. So welcome back to another episode of Divorce Not Dead. And today I'm joined by not only a really good friend of mine, but he's a doctor. So there we go. (laughs) Two birds, one stone. I'm going to be coming to you eventually, Dr. Charles. I can never pronounce your surname properly, so I'm not going to even attempt you it. You
1: do it right. It's Galanis. Golanus. Yes.
0: Okay. And we are going to discuss today something. Well, we're going to discuss two or three things, but I wanted to go into mummy makeovers because most of us have children or are thinking about children. Some people are scared of ruining their bodies or what happens afterwards. Some people have terrible scars or lots of loose skin. And he is the king of mummy makeovers. That's why I dragged him to Dubai. Welcome Charles.
1: Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, so did you tell them, have you told them how we met? Should we start no, with that? No, let's
0: start with that. This is a great <laughs> it's a pretty story. classic, and it's absolutely true. So I went to Los Angeles from Dubai. And if anyone that knows how safe Dubai is, when you lose a wallet or anything, it comes straight back to you, which is amazing. No other country you can do that. Anyway, I lost my wallet, got it picked up and went to Dubai, to LA. I'm in a coffee shop and realize that my wallet isn't working. My credit card isn't working. But that's so I try the next credit card. I try the next credit card. Nothing is working. I realize I'm now penniless in Los Angeles. So I go outside standing on the street and I'm literally twiddling. This is after I've been into his office to interview another doctor and I'm on the street doing twiddling, going, how am I going to get home?
1: Yeah. I walk outside and you're just sort of standing in circles, like pretending to look at your phone. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of, and I, and I just kind of walk up to you. Is everything okay? And then you just spill the beans that you have no credit card. You have no way to get back to you. And you were staying at like the Beverly Hills hotel, somewhere yes. fancy. Yes. And you had no way to get back there. So I know. and I had it, to call an Uber.
0: He had to, he had to get me an Uber <laughs> and pay for it. And you know, but I mean, that was just the, the that it's just. I should have me. gotten
1: you just the cheapest Uber. I should have gotten you just. You know, they showed up in a tricycle, but I think I, I, I treated you to something nicer with the Uber. You did. You
0: got me a luxury, luxury <laughs> option. But that's how we met. And we yeah. got talking and I was there looking for doctors to bring back to the Middle East. And you were the first person that I really brought back and said, you have to come. And he'd never been.
1: Yeah. So it was interesting because when I, where I trained in, in the U.S., there was, there was a relationship with Dubai, but this was 20 years ago when Dubai was like a desert in one road. So it kind of, you know, I always tell people the Middle East kind of always been somewhere I was interested in sort of exploring. And everyone's heard of Dubai at this point. I mean, Dubai has become such this, it's not just a regional center, it's this worldwide center. So it was certainly an interest and it kind of worked out when we ran into each other.
0: Well, what, what I really want to do, well, it was, it was serendipity, really. But what I really, really wanted to do was make Dubai, for me, I mean, most of you know that I'm sort of ambassador to different luxury brands out here for, for and known for sort of not surgery, because I haven't done that yet, but like, what is it? Non-invasive right. procedures, and I'm going to grow old very late in life. So, you know, I think Dubai is a perfect place to be make a plastic surgery hub, which is what I wanted to talk to Charles before about, because... There is no paparazzi here. There's nothing. So if you're a famous person and you want to come to the Middle East and have a, you know a facelift, a nose job, whatever it is, which you know, you get chased around the, the UK with a hat on, here you can go to the beach and relax and know nothing is going to happen to you and no one's going to see you. and that's quite a liberating thing for people.
1: Well I think yeah, and I think Dubai, you know people ask there's a lot of doctors and I'll come to Dubai, and people ask all the time, why Dubai, why has this become this place? And I think it's a few things. I think Dubai has become a place synonymous with luxury. It is a place of incredible growth. I mean, the population has grown from a million to 3 million in just 20 years, and it's still growing. And I think when you have that growth and you have that sort of relationship with luxury, the beauty industry kind of follows with it. And so it's been something that's attracted not just patients, but also providers and providers from all over the world. So it has become not just a regional center. It's not just drawing from the Middle East. A lot of my patients here are from Europe or from places like Southeast Asia, where Dubai is closer than Beverly Hills. And so it really has set its, set its place on the map for that purpose.
0: And I remember when we were discussing it and when I started bringing um, doctors from LA, the, the main concerns were people, for people and for the doctor was like, well, how am I going to do the aftercare for my patients right. if I'm coming in for a week or two and leaving? You know, and how are my patients going to feel? And actually, it's, it's at, we, we've come up with quite a great system now yeah, where you do your consults over Zoom and then, you know, by the time Charles lands, he's straight into the operating theater with you. And then you come out and he's got a team that he's trained that are here. And actually with the world and the technology, the way it is, I, it's, it's pretty much the same, even if you were down the road.
1: Yeah, I think that, you know, that the same technologies I use in Beverly Hills, I use here. And it's certainly, listen, it's a task to get a team around you that you're comfortable with aftercare-wise that can take care of people. But the, the analogy I bring to people is when I'm in L.A., about 30% of my patients travel to L.A. for surgery. So the same sort of travel situation happens there where I'm with them for a week and then they leave. So, you know, it, it works. And once you find a system that works, it becomes very smooth and, and I, I'm very comfortable with the care I can give here, I wouldn't be doing it, to be honest.
0: So let's get into things like money, mummy makeovers and boob jobs, right? So I've had my breasts done. I irritate him on the phone. We're really good friends. So I'm sure, you know, I'm literally trying to flash my boobs at him each week, each time he comes here because everyone goes to me, well, they're 12 years in and they're going to explode. And you need to get them changed. And I'm like, well, well, I actually love my boobs, and they feel great. I don't seem to have any problems, but I don't know. Obviously, I don't want them to rupture. But he always says, well, do you, do they feel hard? Is, is it you know? Is there something that's bothering you? Is there any lumps or? And I'm like, no. And he goes, well, then don't don't change them.
1: Yeah, there's a there's a general misconception out there that at 10 years you have to switch your implants, like it's a set of tires you have to change yes. every 10 years. And some of that came from the fact that a lot of the data, when it first came out evaluating implant safety, they did 10 year data points. So they said that 10 years, this is what, you know, these are what your risks are. And a lot of the warranties were 10 years, not just warranties for just go ahead and swap them, but warranties if something went wrong. And I think that's where this came from, that therefore 10 years you have to change them. The reality is that although they're man made devices and are not necessarily meant to last forever. If you're not having a problem at 10 years, if you like the way they look at and feel, just as you said, there's no reason to do anything. There's no reason to subject yourself to the risk of surgery. And it can, you know, I see patients who have implants 20, 30 years. If they're, if they're doing well and, they, and they're happy, leave them be. Now, if there's an issue or if you're going to the operating room to do something related and it's like, well, while I'm there, maybe change them out. Not an unreasonable discussion to have if you're 20, 30 years out, let's say, or even 15, but, but pe- people shouldn't feel like they have to. They shouldn't feel like they have to.
0: And maybe, you know, I think, I think that's a really important point because it was probably also a selling point. You know, they can, that, those days you can, you can keep renewing them. Therefore the doctors or the hospitals got more business. I don't know, but mine, mine are fine. I'm putting that myth to bed. You can keep your boobs if you're happy. And, you know, I, I agree the risk of surgery to people is much more of a risk than maybe the boob boobs and wasn't it a certain type of boob implant that was exploding so
1: for you know regarding safety just to kind of give a a real sort of basic sort of information regarding safety so you know the we're on our fifth generation of implants now and the majority of the time people are using silicone implants meaning that the, the contents of the implant is a silicone gel for both saline implants which is salt water and silicone implants the shell is the same it's like a silicone polymer shell now, if you look at what are the complication rates are for implants, it's about one percent per year on average. Those are—that's kind of what we generally quote. Whether it's contracture, where it yeah, and what's hard. the
0: what's the uh, data on going into an operation? Well, yeah,
1: yeah exactly. But then, and then yeah, and then and then rupture is about one percent per year. The reality is now with the silicone implants, even when they rupture, you wouldn't even really know about it because the gel stays in place and it feels the same and it looks the same. We call it a silent rupture. So if you take all comers you know, who've had breast augmentation surgery, the rate of a revision surgery by 10 years is probably around 30%. So maybe one out of every three women will have something done by 10 years.
0: Okay, so, so there you go. Unless you're having actual problems or, you know, you really feel that you want to change them for a different size or anything like that, leave them alone, ladies, leave them alone. Okay, so I think the next topic for me is the mummy makeover. So a lot of women are scared of having children they're scared of losing their bodies. I hear that a lot from models, people like that, or mm-hmm. people that have been, you know, maybe have had a dramatic weight loss and sort of already aren't totally happy with their bodies. I mean, mummy makeovers actually work for people with dramatic weight loss too. All of these things, what is a mummy makeover exactly? So
1: it's, a, you know, it's kind of a catch-all term. It's not really a technical term, but basically it's it's usually related to a surgery meant to reverse the changes from pregnancy. So whether, and in most commonly, you're talking about the breast and the abdomen but it's, but it can be any number of things. Some mommy makeover surgeries entail surgery with the thighs, the arms, breasts, and abdomen, maybe even the buttocks, all, all kinds of areas can be incorporated in it. And, you know, it's, it's really at the discretion of the patient. You know, I always tell people one of the mythologies about plastic surgery is it's, you know, and you, and I think you and I have talked about this. It's not really a need based thing. It has to do, it has nothing to do with need. No one, <laughs> I tell people, my job is stupid. I deliver a service no one needs. Yeah, really, I, I, it is. It well, w-
0: you 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 give people confidence, exactly, and I think you know yeah. that that that's just as important. That's up to you, of
1: course. And that's how I reconcile it: is it's not about a need; it's about people's relationship with themselves that's and how they feel. And so, when you take mothers, a lot of the time, when I'm when I'm talking with these patients, it's almost like there's a part of their identity they want back. That something, you know, the way that they feel in the inside when they look in the mirror, it's it's not the same, and it's hindering their quality of life. It's not about trying to please someone else or please society; they just want to feel good in their own skin. So, and to every person that's going to be different. And, and the other thing too is, and if they're, if they like the way they look great, that's fine. You know, you don't have to do anything. So in a sense, that's kind of what mommy makeover surgery is about.
0: I mean, there is a catch 22 because obviously after babies, a lot of women go through depression. They go through the, the the mommy blues or whatever it's called postpartum postpartum depression, depression all of these things and the, you know, you don't want to sort of operate on women then Correct. it's kind of like when you, when you, when you're in, everyone says, don't change your style. When you're pregnant, don't change your hair color. Don't do anything drastic because when you're pregnant, anyone that knows has been pregnant, you make the worst choices. <laughs> you're just, you know, you're, you're kind of at that stage where you don't feel good about yourself. You want a complete change. You know, you go to your hairdresser, say, take me from blonde to a redhead and it's always a disaster. So I would say, things like this, I mean, you know, you should always sort of get back to who you were and then make the decision. And there's
1: a timing thing too. You know, people will ask how soon after a delivery can I have surgery on my breast or my abdomen? And as a general, there are a couple of general rules with this. So you, you touched on the psych, psychological component, which is critical. Obviously people need to feel like themselves and feel like they're not kind of, you know, that they feel in a steady state. They're not depressed. They're not acting out of a, an emotional feeling or, or sentiment. So, but beyond that... For breast surgery, generally, what I tell people, and really even for body surgery, it's usually at least six months from the time you delivered. Six months and a stable weight.
0: Wait, quick question though, because some people do it while they're giving birth. I they bring in the other, sur- yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's. I think that's kind of a waste of time and money because the reality is your uterus has not contracted. You're still enlarged. you You have not. You're, you still have extra weight from your pregnancy that you haven't lost. Right. So I generally don't, I generally tell people that's probably a waste of your money and time. You're better served to wait until you've recovered and then look to see how your body is.
0: That's a great piece of advice because it's like weight loss. I would absolutely agree with that. Some people just want to cram it all in and say, okay, well, I'm already under, which I understand the sentiment.
1: Well, yeah. But the other thing too, is you don't know how your body, no one knows, no woman can predict how her body will respond to pregnancy. And there are some women that yes, they get this big belly, but genetically, whatever it is, their skin goes down pretty close to what it was like before their operation. So they didn't, they don't need anything. So there's no need to go through some big operation the day of your surgery, the day of your pregnancy or or excuse me, delivery, because you may recover just fine and not really be a candidate for anything. So you really need to let your body do its thing first.
0: Absolutely. And I think things like, you know, Does surgery correct things like stretch marks and things like that? Or how does that work? Yeah.
1: So if you dive into kind of what are the changes people see with pregnancy? So when you're, whether it's the breast, the abdomen, any areas, you're talking about massively, you know, rapid weight gain, weight loss. So the skin is stretched and the skin retracts. Now, when the skin stretches, sometimes it can get these small tears in the dermis. And that's what a stretch mark is. It's an actual tear in the skin underneath the surface. Early stretch marks, there may be some utility in certain things like microneedling radiofrequency some lasers to help it when they're early. But the reality is once stretch marks has occurred, the only treatment for them is to cut them out. So that's where you're talking about breast lift surgery or tummy tuck you surgery. You can cut them out? Well, when you do a tummy tuck and you remove that skin, you're okay. taking the stretch marks with Understood. you. So that's really the only only true treatment. So that stretch marks is one thing. Loose skin is one thing. The breast sagging or, or going to a new position, that's another thing where you talk about a lift restoring volume to the breast as you talk about an implant. Well,
0: Charles, you have a pregnant girlfriend. Not yes. sure if I'm allowed to say that, <laughs> but anyway, there you go. got a big mouth. Um, <laughs> what would you advise her then now to do to stop this happening? Is there any, does anything really work or is it just your skin's prone to it? Because that's underneath, it's not on top. Right? Yeah,
1: I think, first of all, I think there's predominantly, this is a genetic component of how people recover and how they're going to recover from their pregnancy. I think a lot of people advocate for things like cocoa butter or other sort of moisturizing treatments to the skin that as it's expanding you nourish it and keep it as healthy as possible so that it's withstanding the stress of the added weight. But there's there's simply no gold standard of if you do this- It won't happen. Exactly. It's just
0: what your skin's prone
1: to. True, but I do think skincare matters. I think if you keep your skin hydrated, if you keep your skin healthy. I did nothing. (laughs) Like I said, some people genetically are just gifted, Caroline.
0: No, I think it's because I'm really white and maybe I don't see it. I don't know, but I don't have any. My mom doesn't.
1: Well, I mean, there you go. And that would favor a genetic sort of component to that. So it it really does vary. There's no true preventative measure, but there's no substitute. Listen, or there's no harm in just trying to be healthful and taking care of your body. The skin's the largest organ on your body. So taking care of that makes sense. And, you know, it's only going to help you. Now, if it doesn't, that's where things like, if you want to do something, plastic surgery can help.
0: Well, you live in Los Angeles and having lived in LA and all of that, it's kind of an impossible standard of beauty in a way. Do you see people where you go? Absolutely not because they have got this crazy idea of what beauty is.
1: So I think that there's a... I think there's three situations where I'll say no to people when they're coming. And one of them is if it's not safe, meaning they're asking for something or they're otherwise not healthy enough. And if there's a danger to what they're doing, so it's a safety issue. One is the timing isn't right. Maybe they're still losing weight. Maybe they still want to get pregnant next year. And then the third thing, which kind of hits on what you're saying is if they come in and and they're saying they're wanting something that's maybe outlandish or maybe trying to emulate a, a beauty standard that's unrealistic. The words I'll tell them is I don't think I can meet your expectations. But right. I don't think it's a good idea because I think you'd just be unhappy, and I'd be stealing your money. And and usually people understand that. My my job is a little bit tricky because I know I walk the line between perpetrating insecurities or fostering these unrealistic beauty ideals, but also serving people to help them. And there there is a delicate balance there, and I, and especially with the way social media is these days, I'm I'm cognizant of that. But it's it's a line we have to walk.
0: Is there a difference between people that come to you for baby weight and all of this to people that have been maybe bigger all their lives managed to, you know, there's so many amazing treatments out there now for obesity, like Ozempic and all of these that people are losing the weight now. Can you do a full, you know, when you've got flabby arms, because sometimes, I mean, you know, again, I might get killed for this, but like people that have been bigger look better big than when they were bigger because the skin is just that they're left with all this excess skin everywhere, whereas they thought that they would end up, you know, right. like back to how they were, and they're not. How on earth do you combat that? Like round the arms, round the, the 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 back of the the back of the arms is a very hard one. So I
1: think the first thing you need to think about in this conversation is there's a difference between health and beauty. So I think the, the health issue is important first. So you want people to be healthy, meaning you want them at a healthy weight. So when you're talking about someone who has, where obesity is the issue, as much as the aesthetic consideration is important, you know, if the skin looks better they're heavier at the end of the day, if they're at an unhealthy weight, the priority should be to get them to a healthy weight, whatever means necessary, whether it's diet and exercise, whether it's by, you know, gastric bypass, gastric sleeve surgery. Now, once the weight is lost and they're at a healthy place, then you have to look piecemeal at the things you can address. And when it comes to something like flabby arms or something, yes. you know, some of these things. A
0: lot of women, even even if you're not obese, as you get older, we all have bingo wings. I loathe bingo wings. But then I was told when I went to see someone ages ago, that, you know, you get these terrible scars down the back. And then, you know, I mean, the scar's not going to be better than the flap, I presume. It so. depends on
1: how you're, you know, when you evaluate this, if you're speaking specifically about arms, there's a you have to look at it in, in sort of increasing amounts of intervention. So the the earliest interventions are things like liposuction with skin tightening technologies, where you're not making a big cut, but you're just trying to remove whatever fat's underneath there. And stimulate the collagen to get the skin to tighten as much.
0: Now, this I'm very interested in because I did something back in the day. Well, after my babies, so-called Vaser Lipo. Yes. And I think it's moved on from there. So which yeah. you're talking about. So
1: Vaser is not really a skin tightening technology, and I do use no. it. It does assist with liposuction in terms of being efficient, being as f- efficient as possible. Skin What's removal. the
0: difference to, to tell the people what I did? Vaser Lipo versus liposuction.
1: So liposuction itself just in, it means you put in a metal straw and you suck out fat. That's liposuction. Now, mm-hmm. when you do Vaser Lipo. What you're doing first is you're applying a device called Vaser, which is an ultrasound to the to the area. It's an ultrasound that goes underneath the skin and helps to free up the fat. And then you do lipo afterward.
0: But it, oh, I didn't do that, so I just did the first bit. Okay. So it's a little less. So what does that mean? Well, They're Vaser by up?
1: itself isn't going to do anything. So if they just did that, they stole your money. so oh. You should talk to that person. So hopefully they did some lipo after that. But I'd be happy to talk to them if you want. No. Chances are they did something. I, I'm no, sure they, you're remembering oh, it wrong.
0: Oh, oh that.
1: Well, yeah, they couldn't have just done vaser and that's it. They had to have done either lipo to follow it or something oh, else.
0: Oh, okay. Well, maybe they did.
1: Then. It's good that you're taking such a far to your No, I saw fat coming out.
0: Well, this was well then, is yeah, good. they
1: did lipo then. Then they did oh, vaser okay. Lipo. All right, fine. But what's different now to your question is there are things now that we use on top of that. So we do the, the liposuction, but then we do an, an additional treatment at the end to further tighten the skin.
0: Okay, so most women, like the weird part for a woman is the, the top of the belly button, yeah. right? How on earth do I get the top of the belly button? that's what we were talking about because that's the bit that's always bothered me, not below because even if you take out fat around there, you, you've got this sort of like, I don't know, like it's not cellulite, but it looks a bit sort of.
1: So you're talking, I mean, basically usually are you talking about like the sad belly button where the, it's kind yes, of the at the top. Button. Yeah. They call it the, call it the frowny belly button. And,
0: no, and the skin above, above because yes. of babies, right. because you, right. your baby comes out. Like I had twins. So you can imagine. I mean, mine's not bad, but I can just see little dimples.
1: So what you're talking about is skin, excess skin laxity. Fundamentally, that's yes. what you're dealing with. And so, you know, when, when you're evaluating that as a surgeon or as, a, as an aesthetic provider, basically, you, again, you look at it sort of in, in, the, in a sort of systematic way about what are the from least to most invasive things you can do. There are certain things you can put at the surface of the skin, you know, little treatments and med spots. Which they I've have, been doing. And they have some benefits, but t- typically you shouldn't expect a world beater with that. No. The next level up is things where you actually go underneath the skin to treat the skin with them,
0: and it's a very small incision, there, right? So be, the it'd... first time I tried, sorry, but not yeah. that one. When I did the vasolipo, they went through. They actually went through my cesarean scar, yeah. so you don't have another scar. Yeah, which it's very is great. small.
1: So in those technologies are meant to just sort of build collagen and tighten the tissue. The next level up from that, then you're talking about incisional surgery where you're removing skin. Now, as it relates to the area above the belly button, there are some providers, for example, in South America, they do this technique where they make incisions under the breast and try to pull the skin up from there in an effort to sort of change the appearance of the belly button. That sounds genius. Yeah, it can be, but there's a big, you know, there's an incision underneath the breast you're going to have. And also there are some people who will make an incision just at the belly button itself to try to anchor it up. So, it really depends on how, what it looks like, you know, what are the other situations going on? If there's laxity in other places too, because the biggest treatment for, if you're talking about a mother who's got this skin laxity issue is basically doing a tummy tuck. And that's, that's going to address all of that.
0: I know, but that's like, well, I that's, mean, the, that's, that's, someone, that's the, that's the high that's level. A, no,
1: that's that's, that's, that's someone who, you know, they have laxity all over the place. It's not just a focal skin, area. The that skin, that,
0: that, that scar. I mean, I have girlfriends. I mean, I haven't seen, you know, that's not your work, but I have a, well, you, you and I both know her. She went off and did it, and and the scar is like from from hip to hip, and above, you
1: know. So the way to look at it this is, and this is something I tell all patients: you have to you have to get to a point where not doing anything becomes intolerable, and you're willing to accept the scar. It's a trade off, okay? Now that you can't get around the fact that there's going to be a scar, but for these women, the scar is much more tolerable to them than staying with what they're dealing with outside of that. They yes, can't wear a can bikini. There's certain yeah. garments they can't wear. They don't feel you know, they, they report not feeling as sexy. They, they report it affects their sex life at home. So for them, it's a fair trade-off. Now, again, you have to be okay with that. You know, if I have patients who come in and say, I'm terrified of the scar, then I say, they don't do it. Wait, you're going to get to either. You're going to get to a point where you, the scar is acceptable or not. And until you get to that, don't do anything because you'll, you'll, if you, if you're that dreading the scar that much, you won't be happy.
0: I mean, it is so much about women do this for women. Let's just make this clear. I mean, if you're I mean, married. Most most men don't really want you to do these kind of surgeries, and you know it's about feeling good for yourself. So only you can make that decision, really, because the stuff that I wanted to do, I'm super glad that I've done. They're little, they're little improvements, but I don't want the scar. I've seen the scars. I wouldn't do the big. You know,
1: yeah. Then then you shouldn't, and that's what I tell all people. And you know, at the end of the day, you just touched on something. What we do. I'm not in the beauty business. It's the confidence business. And if you look yes. at what people talk about when they've had plastic surgery or man or woman, any aesthetic treatment, they don't talk about what they look like. They talk about how they feel.
0: Oh, I'm all for surgery. Yeah. I am not, as I said, going to grow old gracefully. I am going, I want to do everything. Yeah. Eventually I'd like to do my face. I want to have one of those, like, you know, half my <laughs> half, everything lifted up my neck, you know, my husband is behind well, yeah, the camera. I was going to
1: say, if you could see Sergio's face and all,
0: this. he doesn't want me to do anything. He says he's out by then, but I don't think so.
1: <laughs> it's I a mark think, of yeah. a good man, though. Honestly, I, I like when I when I see patients and they're there with their husband. The, the best thing I hear, and I've heard Sergio say this: the best thing I hear is when they're like, "Listen, I don't want her to do anything. Yeah. This is what she wants for herself. That's the best thing you can hear from from their significant." I don't want to
0: change the way I look. I just, you know, like the things that go at my age are the neck. And the little things, you know, if I, it's just about pulling it a little bit tighter. He's scared that I'm going to look like the bride of Wildenstein, (laughs) but I think we've all, you know, there's just, there are, you know, a few people that walk around that have just done too much. I mean, basically in Los Angeles, I would say there's a
1: fair bit of yeah, all over the world. Yes, yes, yes.
0: But you know, if you get a good surgeon you can look amazing. Well, I think
1: you know, aging gracefully is what the goal is, of course. And I and I don't think I think most people who are trying to get plastic surgery, whether it's in the body well, My mom's the face, done nothing. Well there well, there you go. But yeah. I think most people are not trying to look like a the majority of people are not trying to look like someone else. They're yeah. trying to look like an enhanced version of themselves. And it, when you when you see somebody who's trying to look like someone else, that's a red flag. That's a, that's a situation where you have to have a real serious conversation with them about what are we trying to accomplish? What's the motivation here?
0: Do you get a lot of girls that come in with pictures of celebrities?
1: Sure. People will come in with goal photos, which is important because I do have to have a discussion with them about what's realistic and what isn't. Right. And I also have to have a, I can tell you because some of those patients who they'll be bringing pictures of are my patients. And I'll be like, I can tell you that's not what, you know, I won't say this to them, but I will... I know that that's not what the person looks like. Okay. And so, you know, we have to sort of be careful if you're bringing in a doctored image and be like, this is what I want to look at, Mm -hmm. look like you have to be careful with that. So these are conversations we have with all of our patients.
0: I mean, that is an added layer these days because with filters, face tune with the little body things that everyone does, it's, it's super hard to know what's real and what's not and what's obtainable because we've all got used to seeing ourselves through a different lens really. And, and probably believe that we look like that.
1: Yeah. Well, I I think it's, you know, at the end of the day, what I tell people is, look, my goal is, is to get you in the direction that you want to go as far as I can with what your anatomy will allow me. So I can't, I can't alter anatomy to a degree that it's, you know, to make someone who's not close to a Kylie Jenner look like a Kylie Jenner, but, but you can, sort of if I get their goal in mind and be like, okay, this is the direction you want to go to. And then have a conversation with them saying, look, I'm not going to be able to get you there. No one will. But, but at least it gives me an idea of where, what direction you're trying to move in. It it gives me an insight into their mind about what their goal is.
0: I personally love the things that I've done. And I I'm very honest about my journey with things that I like to, you know, do. So I'm, I'm more, as I said, non-invasive right now, but that's, I definitely will go the other route eventually, you know, with sort of just Fillers, Botox. I put fillers and Botox in my neck, in my hands, like anywhere I can fit them that will keep the skin <laughs> stretched. But maybe, by the way, and I, I, you know, I've been talking about this. There's, there's a point where you're better off melting all of that stuff and just and doing a mini, you know, a, a facelift at some point yeah. because you know, go
1: on. There is, well, no, you're, you're, you bring up a good point. And there is, there was this rampant use of fillers, which maybe got a little bit out of hand in some places. In some ways. Face. Yes. Where it was basically overfilling. And, and it, it it was born of this idea that, well, if you restore the volume, that'll lift. And that's just rubbish. You know, you can't put a CC of a gel in your face and think that's going to lift your jowls. Well, I
0: think what happened to me also the fillers begin to migrate. Sure. So I had done like, you know, just all the lip lines above your lip and it had migrated. So you kind of begin to look like a duck. So last year I went to LA and under your eyes, they overfill because it never really goes. Well, that's
1: the other thing too, is I think the myth that, oh, it'll dissolve in a year. Well, the reality is it doesn't. And I mean, we, so in our office, we'll actually do ultrasound in the face and see where there's still filler and And completely dissolve everything. So, you know, there, there is this, this feeling that, oh, well, it's dissolved. It's fine. It's gone. No, it's not. It's probably still there. Or you had, you can even have remnant of some scar tissue. Or 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 it moves. Of course. So. It is, It is, you have to be really judicious with filler. You have to have a provider that understands the limits of what filler can do and when it's time to transition to something more invasive.
0: And I think, you know, like anyone, any face doctor says to you, you have to come back in like, you know, normally a year or he has to do, do that, exactly that, melt it for you and then start again because he can't do a facelift around the shape of a face that's not your right. face. Yeah,
1: and if you're doing facelifts and you'll go in some of these people, you'll be digging this filler out you'll find threads in there that were put in you'll find all this stuff it doesn't make the job any easier so you know no, it anything, makes it harder
0: yeah. I, that's what happened with my boob job yeah so i before i had boobs i was really nervous about doing the surgery so i just wanted because of the babies i wanted a little bit more filled at the top and that was the time everyone was using filler mm-hmm. in your boobs so i filled my boobs at the very top because i i didn't need a hole in my head didn't need a whole boob job Anyway, of course, it all spread, went under my arms, went everywhere. So a surgery that's meant to take, I don't know, what
1: is a boob job surgery? It's just an augmentation hour less than that. Well,
0: mine took five or six hours because he had to scrape everything out that had migrated. And now you can't do that. I don't think you can use fillers.
1: It doesn't mean people still aren't doing it. Oh, really? Yeah, but you can. You shouldn't. And it's unsafe. People are doing that with the buttocks. There's been this rampant problem now where people had silicone or god knows whatever substance someone would pull from the garage and you know yeah. be doing it in a hotel room no and it's created no a lot of problems so you know but we know now what's appropriate what's safe and what isn't
0: and also you know things like if you're going for a cancer checkup you know boob what is it called a mammogram. mammogram you know they can't tell the lumps from from the silicone right so you know that was another whole thing i you know when i went for my mammogram they're like there was i had lumps everywhere
1: yeah i think there's you know, mammographers have gotten better with it at telling the difference. Unfortunately, n- not a lot of people are doing what you did back then. <laughs> so yes. you're a real trailblazer, Caroline. Thank you. But, but I think people now know, you know, it's what to steer clear from in that area, but it's still a problem. You're always going to have people on the fringe just trying to make a buck doing things that are not appropriate. And you're going to see people that are looking for that cheap, quick fix that will do it. So it's always going to be a problem in aesthetics
0: it's also, you know, what you do is, is it's, it's mind blowing really, because I think what people don't understand when he does a, you know, full body makeover, how many hours is that for you in a surgery?
1: Well, if I'm doing one of the bigger ones, it can be, you know, eight, nine hours if I'm doing a lot of different areas all at once.
0: And I've seen it. I've no, not you, but I've seen how much physical energy goes into doing liposuction. It is quite brutal to watch. And it was funny because when I was going to LA to interview doctors some of the big names are quite, you know, getting on the older side. So they brought, you know, they would bring in, doc, you know, people like Dr. Charles who are young and they know what they're doing, but they have, en- you know, much more energy. You need to have real strength to do this because you've got to break down the fat. It's, yeah. it's actually unbelievable to watch. It's a
1: little brutal. I mean, I, I, I think I underestimated it, but it'll be Thursdays days because I operate three days a week. And there's certainly nights where I get, where I get done and it, it feels like a hangover. I mean, there are some yeah. days when you're done with it, your body's just aching and you want to just lay down. So, you know, I, I joke with people now that my fitness is not as much a vanity exercise anymore as it's so I can keep on working because it's sort of, I need to be in shape to do my job. No,
0: I believe it. Remember when I met you, the other doctor said to me, I can't, I can't do it anymore. Yeah, It's too, it's too many hours. And I understand that because I think you, you people just think you sort of put in this tube and suck out the fat. It's wouldn't, just wouldn't
1: that be great? It would be great. Yeah.
0: I remember I took Sergio for one thing to, to get my face. What was I doing in my face? Bright eye, I think, and he passed out cold <laughs> at the brutality of just a needle. Men are, being, men are the worst.
1: I mean, this happens all the time. I had a I had a guy come in who had had stitches put in the ER, and just taking his stitches out, he passed out in the in the office.
0: No way. Yeah,
1: men are men. We we tend to be babies when it comes to. Everything not, not just when surgery. it comes to yeah, everything, Charles. This. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, not about everything, but certainly <laughs> surgical and medical stuff.
0: I mean, <laughs> hilarious. And what would you do if your your girlfriend comes to you and says, "I want a mummy makeover"? After could you operate on her or
1: not? <sighs> it's a good question. You know, I've, you know we've talked about it. I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I would never. Whatever she wants for herself. I mean, from my standpoint, I would never. It's up whatever she wants for herself. I, I would never say hey you should do X Y or Z if if it's no, something that she you really wants. I know. I don't know. I really don't. I, like I've operated on girlfriends in the past. Yes, I have. Oh, you have. Okay. I, once I should say. it's be very weird. But now it's th- this is different. Is the mother level. of your child? Yeah. 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 I don't. I just I feel like there's something kind of. I'd feel like an asshole sort yeah, of.
0: Yeah. But then how would you put her into another doctor's office? I would He'd be find, like, no, I'm going to do I mean, it another some way. Someone gonna... that I
1: trust. I just, <laughs> but I mean, me, me being there and sort of doing it, just, I would feel like kind of a scumbag. I don't know. It just, I have, I have a heart and it's not, listen, I'm not judging people that do that, but I, I feel like I would rather separate myself from that.
0: I get that. Event. I could understand
1: that. I don't know. We'll find out, I guess, but.
0: I mean, I think all of these things. So these are all such new, new technologies. They really are. Yeah and they 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 are so much safer i think that people now are walking you can walk into surgery a lot more easily than you could before
1: i think the biggest thing look if if you're if you're talking to your listeners about who are thinking about this they're and they're kind of at that point the first step is making the decision that you want to do it and then the second step is finding someone who's qualified and that you trust and and that that i think is the biggest step to get over ideally if you have someone who's went through the process who had a good experience you can go through a friend but otherwise I think social media has become a dominant platform where people find a provider. And that's where it's a reasonable place to start. You know, you can look at what someone's body of work is. You might even get a flavor of their personality if they use social media, you know, well themselves where they're showing that. And then you go on the consults and a lot of it I think comes down to, maybe this was your experience. It comes down to a feeling when you find that person, do you have a good rapport? Do you feel like they understand what you're saying? They understand your goals and they're on your side. But I if, would
0: definitely have you operate on me, Charles. I
1: appreciate that. I, we've had this discussion and Sergio has always been like, nope, you're not well, doing anything. If
0: anything happens, I'm not we're not telling Sergio. Friends <laughs> first.
1: <laughs> Can we edit that part out? No. <laughs>
0: so. I'm just popping down the road for a coffee with Dr. Charles. Yeah. I'll be back in six I'll be hours. Back. I'll, be back in, <laughs>
1: I'll be back in seven to fourteen days. But yeah, so I, I think that for people looking, like that's where you have to go with the process and 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 do do what feels right for you. One thing I would say about social media, and I had this discussion with a patient recently, I think social media is a reasonable place to find a provider. It is not a place to make expectations. Yes. There's a difference. So it's okay if you find someone that, hey, I, I, I like this doctor, does good work. That doesn't mean that the people that that doctor is showing is your result, because everyone's different. You're seeing a, 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 a portion of their work. So it's really important to have that understanding when you're going in.
0: I believe everything is about connection. If you connect to your doctor, you know, and I've worked in this industry quite a long time now, and I've met so many doctors for me, it's everything because you trust, then you build trust. I can't, like I've always said, and it's funny because a lot of doctors in general say I'm good at everything, Yeah, you know, know. and I, that's a red flag for me. Any doctor that tells you you can do absolutely everything I'd run a mile. And you think you could run a mile right now? no. No, I'm not running anywhere, Charles. Unless <laughs> Chanel is on the sale, but you know that's a red flag. How about that? I, agree. Um, I
1: actually agree with that. Especially, certainly being in Beverly Hills, I think you—it's a highly competitive field, and you really have to find your your niche of what you're really good at and focus on that and, and build it. And it can be one or two things, but you, it's impossible to be a master of all. You can be a jack of all trades, but but a master of none. And I think these days, with with the access to care people have, you're better served to really get good at a few things.
0: So, I mean, I think our takeaway from this is get good advice, you know, really research your doctor, go and see a few, don't take the first person you see, go and, you know, make sure you connect, make sure he wants the same for you as you want, you know, make sure that you see the before and afters of other people, make sure he sees your body. What else would you say? I would
1: say make sure that it's you're ready to take that that plunge. make sure that you've kind of thought it through, you're in a stable place emotionally. You feel like your body is in a stable place. if it's a mummy makeover that you've you're far enough out of your pregnancy, your weight is stabilized, you feel you're in a healthy spot as healthy as you can get. and you're just in a good mindset for it.
0: And I think you know that's another thing when you hit my age,' say you're not doing it for children and you're just doing it for weight loss or you're doing it because your your body isn't what it used to be women in there, where am I? 40, I suppose after 43, I found it very hard to lose weight. And some of us like, you know, I had done IVF and all of these things. So it was really difficult for me. And if you have proper issues like that, and you've really thought about it, this is an amazing alternative for people that it really is. It's not that painful for, I mean, I didn't find things like this, that's just painful. And I find that if you gives you the confidence, it's worth Every penny.
1: And I. And one other thing I would add to that too is there are patients who are stuck. Maybe it's at a certain weight. Yes. And then, and so there's two ways to go about this. Either you lose the weight and you get to your best shape and then you have oh, your it's surgery. it's the
0: pockets of fat. The right. pockets you cannot shift Correct. and you'll never be able to shift. But
1: also there are people where, where they're just kind of stuck where they are for whatever reason. And then they, and I've seen this happen. And then they have the surgery, they invest in themselves and it, and it's the jump start. What it yeah. does is they, they dramatically. Motivates kind of, you. Yeah. yeah, they dramatically sort of change their, their lifestyle choices and they take a great result and make it excellent on their own. So you'll, I'll see them at three months, they look great, but at 12 months they look incredible. And it's because of the work they put in. So it works both ways. It can really change people's sort of approach to life.
0: So if you're thinking about it, these are the considerations I would take in, really look at it, you know, and come, you can look at Dr. Charles on.
1: his Instagram would be the easiest way. Yes. Charles Galanis, MD.
0: Spell it please.
1: Well, you know how to spell Charles. And yes, then... I can spell Charles. <laughs> G-A-L-A-N-I-S-M-D.
0: Check him out, ladies. He's amazing. Thank you for listening to another episode of Divorce Not Dead. Thank you for listening to Divorce Not Dead. Tune in next Wednesday for a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate and review. We'd love to hear from you. Follow me on social media at at Caroline Stanbury for all the behind the scene action.